0: Oh, God, don't sing.
1: <laughs> We've and already... So I think. The final curtain.
2: Oh, it's a duet now. Okay. <laughs> You've already got the coronavirus. That's enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the AT Banter Podcast a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
2: Hey, and welcome to another episode of
0: AT to the Banter. Um, you're going to have to hold on a second because my daughter has stolen my cowbell for the seven o'clock noise making thing. Yeah, I've been using mine for that too. Yeah, I'm going to have to improvise here. Hang on, hang on. What are we doing oh, we here? Okay. Oh, there you go. Rick's in charge of cowbell. Okay, banter, banter. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, hey, my name
2: is Rob Minow. Uh, joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. That would be me. Uh, And Mr. Rick Chant. That would be me. Uh, Joining you from our respective hovels
0: once again. Indeed. Holes in the wall. North Vancouver, Burnaby, and uh, New Westminster all represented in the house. That's right. Uh, So another two weeks into this, how are you guys doing? A little more stir-crazy this week than last week uh but uh yeah pretty much at equilibrium
1: you know what i'm glad i don't have children that are home full-time right oh my god i feel so so sorry for the parents that have small kids that need to be refereed and entertained and walked and fed and i mean oh god yeah
0: yeah what what we're starting to see in our townhouse complex here is that the, the parents have pretty much just given up on not having their children interact like they're all <laughs> running or, they're all running around outside you know sharing toys and
1: yeah you know, yeah yeah
0: crisscrossing yeah. in the parking lot and it's like you know we've got I don't know we've got kids from well from a year old on up and uh, at first they were all being in, indoors but uh no, I don't know. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, tough. <laughs> yeah, there's a real well, it can't be easy. It can't be easy. No. No. But I mean I mean in our in our complex we've got we've got first responders, we've got people who work in the grocery stores, you know, and um, if 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 it gets in here it'll turn into a petri dish, I am sure. But uh, so far so good.
1: Yeah, see I, I'm managing fairly well actually i think um to to stay out of the the mix of people um i did a pickup yesterday at park royal and the woman just hung her stuff on the door of her apartment so i went in and picked it up and carried on mm-hmm. and i did a drop off uh, over on victoria and 11th was the same thing i set it down beside the door rang the doorbell stepped back she came and got it and i picked the other one up so and other than regular interaction the only person i regularly interact with is nicole and i mean she only lives five blocks away but you know where her she works for me it's kind of like it's hard
0: to stay out of each other's way yeah you don't hose her down as soon as she shows up at the house no
1: no no yeah. no they do that at home though yeah and suze's suze's right on top of it right she goes out in the morning she's got fresh clean clothes on she goes to the hospital and changes into scrubs um and decontaminates before she does anything at the hospital and then when she's comes home she decontaminates and puts everything in a plastic bag and takes it home and launders it and lays it out on the bed for tomorrow morning and immediately gets in the shower so she's she's being really disciplined about about um trying to trying to stay at a distance
0: yeah are there many cases at lionsgate now i i don't know what the
1: number is to be honest um i know the uh they were expecting a bit of a bump in the numbers because the, uh, long Easter weekend was so nice. Right. And, uh, one of the, ner- one of the male nurses there that I know I was talking to him the other day and he was saying, yeah, it, it's coming. Um, so at the moment they're still looking for the big, for the big peak and I, I don't think it's come yet. Um, but w- with the weekend being so nice, I suspect it's, yeah, it might be sneaking up.
0: Yeah, I would. I would be surprised if we didn't have a spike after uh, after Easter weekend, and I think that'll happen all over North America, certainly. Yeah. And cer- certainly, in some parts of the states where the churches just flat out refuse to, yeah. uh, yeah. to to not hold services, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully going to taper off after that. We don't have. I, I mean, what's our next uh, holiday officially? Is like May Mother's. long weekend. May long weekend. Okay. Yeah. And then Mother's Day.
2: Yeah, well, that's always the danger. You know, people start to become a little bit too comfortable. Um, they think that, oh, they look at the numbers and they feel like, oh, the numbers are, are looking pretty good. And so it's just human condition. You know, we we watch the news and we hear all these reports. And it's just a natural thing to just kind of like distance yourself from that. That's something that, you know, somebody getting coronavirus is something that happens is happening to other people right now or and so you just you you think you're a little bit invulnerable. We all have that inner 19-year-old in us where we just think that
1: not going to happen to me.
2: Not going to happen. And uh, you know that's what you think, and up until the day that it does happen to you. So that's I think that's the biggest danger of all. This is just that people stop becoming vigilant and and cautious um, and apathetic about it. You know you get used to you get used to this and. I, I
1: think the I think the other emotion that you have to put in there is um, two of them, actually, is you get tired of being so disciplined and you, you let it slip a little bit yes. or it's it's um, you, to hell with it. Let, let's get it and get it over with. <laughs> yeah. those, are, those are the two options. Right. And, and none of them are nice. But I mean, yep. U.S. the U.S. had its had a bad day yesterday. You know, twenty four hundred and five deaths.
2: Yeah, it's
0: crazy. And there man.
1: there are over six hundred nine thousand infections at the moment, and that's that's stupid.
0: Yeah, so I'm off social media again, right? I I, 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 I I quit I quit Facebook and Twitter last Saturday because I just couldn't take the stupid anymore. Because well, there's plenty of stupid out there. There is there is just an overwhelming wave of stupid on particularly on twitter of people sowing misinformation yeah and uh i just just can't take it anymore you know i thought i could you know i thought it would be good for the you know the the social distancing time to get back on social media so that i could communicate with people i've, I've discovered more and more I don't like not people. so much, <laughs> <laughs> particularly stupid people. I don't not like stupid so much. people. Yeah. People well, yeah, who are willfully obtuse. But
1: I, I, did take one of your suggestions the other day, Steve. You were saying that you went out and sat around the parking lot. Well, we went out and sat on the edge of the uh, on the edge of the property here, and then the next door neighbors, uh, down the street, and the people across the street. And the woman from around the corner, they all came and dragged their lawn chairs. We had a really nice evening. It was really nice. Kids across the way roasted marshmallows in their driveway. Ah, oh, nice. It was, really, it was really quite pleasant.
0: Yeah, as long as you can maintain the social distancing, you know, you might have to yell a little bit, but what the heck.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, we're on a fairly quiet street. So, I mean, we had to raise our voices, but it wasn't, certainly wasn't yelling. Yeah. So, it was good. It
2: was nice. Yeah, I was out for, I was out for a walk uh, the other night and, and uh, you know, walking by a couple of houses and, and, you know, you see, you you do, you see like neighbors like standing, you know, 10, 12 feet apart, just talking, talking. you know, and it's just, talking the, it's just the new kind of norm where you just, yeah. you keep, you keep yeah. that distance, but you're still able to sort of be social as much as you can be. And so people are adapting. That's, that's the kind of heartening thing about all this and
1: reaching out to people that they might not know to approach but they know to say hi to. Right. Now the other thing that we did the other night which was really eerie in this new situation that we're in is um, Suze had to go down to Discovery to pick up some um, training materials from the unit and we got to Stanley Park which is closed. And we approached the park ranger and uh, got permission to come into the park. But there was nobody in Stanley Park. No cars. No people. And, uh, I mean, it was after dark, so granted. No bikes. We did see two bicycles on over by the skin diver uh, sitting on the rock. Um, but that was it. And it was eerie.
0: Yeah. Well, you know who I feel really sorry for? It's the squirrels, raccoons, and other assorted wildlife (laughs) in Stanley Yeah, who are going to be hungry. They're going to be starving (laughs) because they're so used to getting fed by the tourists. Probably wandering around going, they're all dead. They're all dead. (laughs) It finally happened. We're going to have to start farming.
1: (laughs) 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 And right there outside of Prospect Point Cafe... They've got a great big raccoon house built in the tree, and it's oh, yeah. called the Coon Dominium. Oh, oh yeah. And and uh, I, I don't know if there's one in there or 50 in there, <laughs> but I, I'm sure they're looking at each other going, hmm, the social distancing thing is not working for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like the last couple of weeks uh, in the sort of in the public consciousness is... A little bit of, of a grieving process. I think everybody's starting, well most people, uh, are starting to realize that we're sort of in a new reality for the foreseeable future, and that um, it's gonna mean losing some things in our society that, that we've had for a long time, um, even if it's temporary. You, you know, from, from pubs, to restaurants, to, to bars, to you know, big social gatherings, sporting events, all these things, you know, we are not going to be back into those things until who knows when. I mean, I don't think anybody knows at the moment. So yeah, there, and I,
1: pe- I think people have resigned themselves to that. Yes. For the most part.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what I mean. Like the la- that's People are sort of starting to realize that this isn't going to be a two-week thing. It's not going to be a four-week thing. This is, you know, until there's a vaccine.
1: Months months yeah
2: so you know and I, and i think that a lot of a lot of the anxiety that, that people are feeling is this is this unknown like what what are we going to be able to do how how long and how stringent are these are these restrictions going to be
1: well, yeah but people are always afraid of the unknown right
2: sure yeah exactly and we're not used to it we're definitely yeah. not used to it in the, you know in the past few generations um, arguably, since you know any of the big wars, um, we've been used to like you know the status quo and
1: li- pr- pretty liberal freedoms yep. by by the far stretch.
2: So, it's uh, so so I feel like people are are really starting to work through that, and we're we're starting to see, um, you know, adaptation. We're starting to see people like working with what we've got. And that's and that is heartening to see. It's not easy. No, but
1: you know what? Uh, uh, people are indeed stepping up.
2: And here's my hope. You know, being again being the optimist of the of the podcast, um, <laughs> I I think that we you know the goal here isn't to go back to normal. I think the goal here is coming through this and actually improving on what the normal is. I agree. Uh, you know, why go back to the way it was when the way it was was flawed anyways? I mean, there's a lot of things with the way things worked that we could improve on and that we could make better. And well, that's... Well, I,
1: I, th- I think part of that is the normal that we knew was a normal that we evolved to. Right. And uh, the little tiny changes... you you don't see them in the big picture until you get to that destination. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, oh, well, let's rip this Band-Aid off and see what it looks like. And it's a stark reality where we are, where we, what the normal was, and what it can be. That's right.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to see more and more discussion of things like uh, universal basic income. Yes. Uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, people have a, a consistent um, source of income no matter what. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be a, a big discussion coming in the future. I think we'll, we'll see that in our next election cycle. We'll, we'll be talking about things like that. Um, you know, we'll be talking about transforming our society. We'll be talking about things like self-sufficiency, you know, uh, not having to rely on, on China for key medical and I agree.
1: I agree. Um, I think that's going to. I think that's really going to play a big part of whoever's campaign is, you know, uh, trying to, trying to win the country.
0: Yeah, and for certain industries, this is going to be a, a really great thing. You know, you look at the pulp and paper industry here in, in BC. All of a sudden, the pulp mills are producing at maximum capacity because people need face masks. Yeah, right. That's right. You know, um, and even after this is over uh there's going to be demand for in canada made medical supplies like that um, that will rely on you know might might invigorate some of our natural resources sectors and manufacturing sectors in a way that we haven't seen in years um you know same seems true of uh you know food security you know we're we're looking down south at the mayhem happening down there and wondering okay you know if if this had been worse and trucking had stopped North South. Oh, we'd be boned. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of food security, we'd be boned.
1: Yeah. Even,
0: even within Canada, you know, I was reading an article the other day about uh, uh, Newfoundland and the shipping company that takes stuff from, from Montreal to, to Newfoundland, they're losing, I think they were saying like $2 million a day. Yeah. um, Because there, there, there were less goods to ship and, uh, um, they're asking for um, uh, federal help to be able to continue to supply Newfoundland. Um, you know, the, these logistical concerns like this, um, we haven't had to review them probably since World War II. Um, and well, again, uh, it's, you know,
1: it, they've evolved to that. Yeah. You know, oh, we don't have to worry about our food security because it's going to come from the mainland for Newfoundland. You know, it's always going to be there. Yeah. So I, I think I think this is going to be a big wake-up call for a lot of people in a lot of different facets of life.
0: Well, we do have a, a society that's built on a lot of assumptions right now. And amongst those assumptions are we're going to be able to get stuff from China and stuff from the United States. And and not um, be self-sufficient. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if our government isn't talking about... Uh, pandemic response plans in the next coming election. Uh,
1: well, there's something a, radically wrong. There's something very, very
0: wrong, yeah.
1: Now, some of the fringe benefits of this is I went to pick Sue's up yesterday at the hospital. Beautiful, clear day here in Vancouver. Sun was shining. It was warm. And I looked across the city and way the hell out there on the horizon... Were the coastal mountain range? Yeah, you
0: could see Vancouver Island.
1: It was beautiful. No, yeah. in Washington
0: State. Oh, Washington State range. Washington
1: okay. State. Oh, sorry, not the coastal mountain range, the Cascades.
0: Cascades. You okay. You see the
1: Cascades. It was beautiful. You couldn't see them clear, but they were there, and I've not seen it from that perspective
0: before. Wow. Yeah, you can generally see Baker because uh, it's huge, but yeah, yeah, and it's not that it's, far. Yeah, past there it's hard to see.
1: We were over on Ambleside the other night, and Baker was underneath the Lionsgate Bridge. We were just at that, that. Pers- from that perspective, mm-hmm. it's like Ooh, Lionsgate Bridge bridge is bigger than Baker. Oh. <laughs> not the case. <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I saw a, gr- a great uh, video on Facebook um, that was made by, I think some some people in. Um, I wanna say Manitoba or Saskatchewan, the the cerebral palsy community there. And it was it was, you know, just some folks in the community talking about the idea of self isolating and they kind of made this video to sort of encourage people out there who, you know, are going through this for the first time because for them, self isolating is, is nothing new. Um and, and it was it was really it was a really sweet video and it was a really sweet gesture. But it, one of the interesting things that one of them had to say about about what to do while we're we're here self isolating is the idea of reflection of really just you know looking at your life, looking at things, and reflecting on it and and deciding on how you can make things better. And I think that. On a macro level, that's actually what we need to do as a society right now, is that while we have everything stopped, um, now's the time to reflect on things and figure it's out. to take an, take
1: an account and figure out what we can change for the better.
0: That's right. Sorry, Sorry Rob, did you say on a macro level? Are you uh, considering eating fish now or something?
2: <laughs> no, macro, macro. Oh, macro, Oh, okay. <laughs> Not mackerel.
0: <laughs> oh, no,
2: Shan's going to jump all over that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no it's um, and there's you know and part of the if, if there is a theme to this particular episode of the podcast I think that going this is what I would kind of like it to be is that how can we move the ball forward accessibility wise and within the disability community with some of the, these new ways of life that we're dealing with right now, because there are some crossover and certainly, I mean, there are, there are some real, it's, it's really shining a light on some of the the difficulties that the disability community is having to face because of these restrictions. And by shining a light on that, these are problems that we can actually kind of fix going forward. Potentially.
0: Yeah, you would hope. Um, you know, I, um, I think one, one area, and we've talked about this before is, uh, things like, um, grocery delivery. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's a service which should be reserved for people who can't get to the grocery store, um, as a priority, you know, if there, if there's additional capacity, then sure, you know, maybe the mainstream and audience can, can get delivery, but, you know, to, to be shut in, and to not be able to shop independently, and then also to not be able to get groceries delivered because the the system is swamped by by people who are capable of going out and getting their own groceries. Yeah, kind of sucks. And you know, if you don't have friends who can help you out, man, that that could be devastating. But uh, um, you know, my uh, my uh, son's girlfriend's family. Um, They placed an order at a local grocery store for pickup. They waited four days for the, and on the fourth day, the the grocery store spontaneously canceled the order without explanation.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this, and, and it's funny to think that, I don't know, whatever it was, Four months ago, we were talking about this Domino's pizza case in yeah. the States, and we were sort of, and honestly, it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and we didn't really think much of it, but really, this shines this shines such a, a huge spotlight on how important accessibility is, you know, online especially, when you yeah. consider now online food delivery is is like a lifeline to some people right now. Web accessibility for government forms for relief is another great example. Like if a screen reader can't navigate the, you know, the, the government form for relief and there's nobody there to help somebody who's say visually impaired using JAWS, they're just boned. Um, So that's, you know, again, it's, it's so important that accessibility is rock solid right across the board because you, you, these people, it's a lifeline for a lot of people.
1: Okay, so do you think accessibility and the various and sundry um, facets that go along with that need to be done on a federal level as opposed to provincial level?
0: I think it should be mandated in the federal level for sure. So that yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, because right now,
1: I think every province has its own band-aid solution Yep. And they think they're doing pretty good, and some of them are, and some of them not so much. So you know, is it time to look at that?
0: Yeah, well, Rob, you sent out that uh, that article the other day about uh, ADP. Uh, yes, yeah, we should talk about it. Suddenly being declared that it's it's not an essential service. So this is this is the Ontario Assistive Devices Program. They're responsible for uh, providing. Um, in in addition to accessibility technology things like uh uh, respirators and oxygen uh, mobility stuff mobility stuff and the government has basically said oh no we're we're sending our staff home and we're not going to be doing any adp evaluations uh for the foreseeable future uh yeah that talk about being cut off at the knees (laughs) yeah exactly um that's uh to my mind uh, the wrong decision they need to figure out ways of continuing from home sure um, whether it be by video conferencing setting up little pods that people can go to to, to video conference if they don't have the technology at home something they, they, yeah. You can't just withdraw it and say eh, you don't need oxygen do you
2: Well and not Saving only even money I guess not <laughs> yeah. only that I mean it's it's gonna create quite the backlog when things do spin up again. Um, and it's it's going to affect people for years, uh, depending on how long you know they've they've deemed it non-essential, and how long it'll actually be shut down for. Yeah. Um, well,
1: so I'm sure there's a fairly lengthy waiting list anyway. Yeah. So it's just going to push everything back.
2: You know, and I I feel like, you know, again, it this has really really pointed out the flaws in the system. That again, if we reflect on these things and and fix them going forward, you know we're going to be that much better off for it, um, and hopefully as a society, we're, or as I guess shouldn't say a society, but more like as a as as a government, um, we're smart enough to actually do that. Um, I have my doubts, but but I mean even you look at the response that. The governments have had in terms of realizing some of the holes in the system in in relation to people with disabilities. You know, we have for weeks, we haven't really heard any sort of accommodations for um, people with disabilities out there because they haven't had time. They're just uh, we're just sort of reacting in real time. A, a, in general to a pandemic you know nobody's had the time to actually look at okay well how is this affecting the disability community and what can we do to help mitigate that um, We're starting to slowly see this happen but not nearly fast enough for a lot of people in the community um, that are really struggling right now um, you know I feel for for people who you know, you know resp- respite workers or you know, like parents who who rely on on that or rely on care workers, parents who are now faced with having to to care solely for, um, you know, a child with disabilities. I mean, it must be a really really tough time out there right now, and there's just no support out there for them.
0: Yeah, I was I was down at uh, Set BC dropping some stuff off down there uh, yesterday, and uh, talking to one of their staff, and uh, he was saying that they're just starting now to get um, parents calling and saying you know what the hell what are you doing you know what what are are you going to do about this because you know their kids might have had technology at school for for accessing their their curriculum but in a lot of cases it's still sitting at school you know they they weren't allowed to take the technology home right and uh you know the that's where they need it now right
2: you know, again, this is this is something that we've never had to deal with before. Um, you know, certainly in the last few generations. So, you know, I guess you have to cut us some slack, but I think only if we actually learn from some of these mistakes that we've made, and again, let's make them better going forward, and so that when we come out the other side of this, universal design, accessibility, these are all things that need to happen. And, you know, my, my hope is that, you know, we, we learn from some of this stuff, you yep. to sort of shift topics a little bit, because I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of articles in the past few weeks about one of the things that we talked about last podcast, which was this idea of, um, um, working from home and, you know, the big, you know, boom of, The technology that allows people to work from home and how that might benefit people with disabilities going forward. Um, Because a lot of these businesses have realized that, hey, you know, this is actually doable. Like if we have to do it, we can actually put the infrastructure in place that allows people to work from home because a lot of companies have just they've had to do it. So, you know, the hope is there, is that once we come out of the other side of this companies will be a lot more open to the idea of maybe hiring somebody who has some real mobility issues and that would that would needs to work from home on at least a part-time if not a full-time basis maybe they they won't pass the, them over and look at them you know to employ them um, if they have this infrastructure in place so I think that kind of the hope is that, um it, it might really see an uptick in um employability in the disability community
0: yeah i, I think uh, ultimately the the whole work from home uh thing will result in some opportunities for for some people uh, you know I, I think i mentioned it in the previous podcast you know my, my friend with cp was a was a prime example um you know on on any given day, it's difficult for him to get up, get dressed, get out to work. Um, But if he was working from home, he could, you know, do all kinds of different work. Um, The problem has been traditionally for him that everybody wants him to go into a physical workspace. So, you know, this, this reimagining of the workspace is, is definitely something that's, that's going to have some potential benefits provided that, we make sure that, you know, accessibility is at the forefront of that work from home experience.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading actually an interesting article um, and it had an actual interview with Gary Birch, our our buddy from Neil Squire Society Mm -hmm. here in, here in Vancouver. And um, he had sort of an interesting counterpoint to that though, that you have to also be careful because for, for somebody with, you know, with a disability, being isolated from their work environment could actually have, um, you know, some some detrimental effects too, and make them feel more isolated. So you kind of have to temper that with the this idea of yeah, for for certain segment of people with disabilities, working remotely from home would be the the preferred choice, but um, no, it's not necessarily something that would be necessary for everybody. What's your feel for this, like? Do you think that working from home is going to be a bit of the new norm going forward, even once we do knock this
0: down? Well, I think it will be a lot more acceptable for sure. You know, um, everybody who's doing it now, presumably their employer is realizing that they can do their job from home. You know, if there was a, a measurable, um, decrease in productivity, I, you know, they might, they might rethink it, but, um, You know, there's a lot of jobs that can be done from home quite easily. And you think of the benefits
2: from that, like less people commuting means less people on the road, which means less cars on the road, which, you know, we, you were just talking about how it's, it's so great, the, the lack of pollution and you can clear skies. I mean, just think if we could cut down traffic by half normally, I mean, that would only benefit us. I mean, we, we're sitting here with these high-speed broadband internet connections. Why not take advantage of them? Why not work from home more often? Hey, did you guys also hear yesterday the, um Carla Qualtrough um, announced a, a a group that specifically is mandated to help uh, Canadians with disabilities during this? Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, this is... This is something that I I really, I I think that, again, I'd like to hear more about because how it's impacted things like care homes and facilities for people with disabilities, it must just be devastating for that right now because uh, the the fear of, and just the disruption of of the day-to-day life and
0: routine must be just awful. Well, I've got, I've got a mother-in-law and a mother, both in, both in care homes. Both of them are locked down. Um, they're, they're not allowing any outside visitors at all. Um, and, uh, so far so good at, at both of them. Um, but, uh, you know, internally the residents are being pretty, pretty cautious as well. They're, they're socially distancing internally as well as, you know, having these external precautions. Um, and uh, the, the key thing is just making sure it doesn't get in because, as we've seen time and time again, as soon as it gets in, it has a devastating impact on the elderly. Right. You know, we, we saw that at the Lynn Valley Care Home here locally. You know, that's the place my dad used to be in. Um, Sue's has worked with folks in there quite a bit. Uh, my mom's care worker worked in there when yeah, the she outbreak has, happened. So and had to uh had to self-isolate as a as a result but fortunately there was no no um, infection um yeah and i mean all you can do is everything that you can do to keep it from getting in in the first place right right And, and and again it comes back in a lot of cases to people being stupid you know there there's that um there there's that um uh, place down in the West End, I've uh, forgotten the name of it now, that I, I did a delivery to the day that they... Harold Park? Yeah, the day that they basically shut down their, their doors to outsiders. Um, and But, you know, when I went to do the delivery, there were their residents in their wheelchairs sitting outside, smoking, in a group, close to one another, on the sidewalk with people walking past. How could that place have got infected? You know, is that a possible vector? Sure. You know, it may not have come in that way, but you know, even even with an infection breaking out in the place, yeah, they weren't can't imagine. they weren't making sure that their residents stayed inside. Right. And they weren't giving them an option to smoke someplace other than in the general public on the sidewalk.
2: But I mean again, I think that this this just points out I think the importance of our time right now and that with all these spotlights being shown on the cracks in the system, I think that we need to be very vocal um, about fixing them. And, you know, putting this, putting this episode together, I know, you know, last time we talked a little bit about doing something that wasn't virus related, but you know, the more that I sort of dug into, to news stories, and tried to look for news stories. Of course, this is this is all anybody's talking about right now, and and rightfully so. I mean, you know, we're we're living in a in a different society right now than we were a month ago, two months ago, and three months ago for some people in the world. Um, and so, the time for change is now. Like we need to to now now it's more important than ever to be very very vocal because we have. The attention of the government. We have the attention of corporations to say that look, this needs to change, um, and everything from like you said, Steve, you know, a, a universal wage, a living wage for people out there who, you know, go, just getting a job and going to work is not something that's as easy as somebody who's able-bodied, and now able-bodied people are actually you know, the shoe's on the other foot now. Like, they're actually seeing how difficult that can be to live. Um, So, you know, we need to point these things out right now. And so, you know, I thought it was important to, to do a show that sort of talked a little bit about that because I think that, especially people in the disability community, now's the time to make noise. Now's the time to bang those pots and get on corporations that, you know, going forward, once we get through this, Now's the time to actually make some changes and let's improve things instead of just going back to the old normal. Yeah.
0: Well, at the at the same point, you know, I think everybody at this point is painfully aware of what's going on and what the repercussions of it are, which is why I wasn't too keen on doing another episode on on this virus. Um, so I, I think I think what we really need to break things up is I think we need a jokes episode i think we just need to i think we just need to tell jokes you know just just do an episode entirely about jokes interesting i like i just just tell a whole bunch of jokes like i heard a great one i heard a great one the other day and i'm going to adapt okay. it for canada here if i if i can uh, if i can manage it okay do it all right so these these two newfies, they uh they go to the uh unemployment uh uh website <laughs> or sorry it's already <laughs> funny okay can't can't work with the unemployment website no it's got to work with it's got to be an in-person thing okay if they go to the unemployment office and uh the uh worker there says uh, okay uh what's your profession and uh johnny he says uh oh i uh, i work at the underwear factory i'm a, a panty stitcher and he says right panty stitcher flips through a couple of books and goes okay that's unskilled labor that's fifteen hundred dollars a month and then his uh, buddy Patrick goes in He says, all right, Patrick, what, what do you do? He says, oh, I'm a, a diesel fitter. And the uh, guy goes, oh, diesel fitter. Okay, that's, that's skilled labor, that's 2,500 a, a month. So he goes out and he talks to John. John tells him he got 1,500. Patrick says he got 2,500. John is incensed, he goes back in he says, what the hell are you talking about? How come he, how, how come you gave Patrick 2,500 when you only gave me 15? The guy says, well, he's, you know, a diesel fitter, 2,500. It's a uh, skilled labor, a panty stitcher, it's unskilled labor. He says, what are you talking about? I go and I sew the, the elastics into the panties. And then he takes them, puts them on his head and goes, yeah, diesel fitter. <laughs> Oh
1: my! You are terrible people, all of you.
2: Hey, okay, on that on that moment of levity, um, we should we have a draw to do? Oh, we do. Yeah, let's uh, let's draw for that jersey. Okay. Have okay. you actually got yeah. names in a, in yeah. a pot uh, that I, you can do a draw from? I do. I do. I've I figured out a way that we can do this. So okay. So right. tell people what we're drawing for, Steve
0: okay so uh, we are drawing for the number three uh, jersey mm-hmm. uh, this is the coveted Barclay jersey um,
2: lovely hockey jersey
0: That's right it's a lovely AT banter uh, hockey jersey in extra large so if you're a small person it's gonna be like a house coat but okay so uh, yeah doer all right. Okay.
2: So somebody give me a number between one. Wait, one two, three, okay. Give me a number between one and four. Rick. Rick. Doer. Three. Three. That is Scott. I don't Scott. have a last name, but Scott has won the Barkley jersey. Scott Barkley. That's his new name. The coveted <laughs> Barkley jersey. <laughs> way to go, uh. Scott. So now we just got to figure out a way to get it to you, and we'll be in touch. So are we going to do another? What's So what's, what's left?
0: Or who you are, even. Absolutely. Next week, we will do the uh, draw for the number two jersey. Now, is number two, is that... Ryan or I think that's Ryan because you were number one, right? That's
2: right. That's right. Oh, the flurry jersey. That's the gonna be that's jersey. gonna be a popular one. We're gonna get a oh, lot yeah. of people. So anybody who wants the flurry jersey, uh email cowbell at atbanter.com. Tell us you want it. We'll enter you in for the draw, and next week uh we'll we'll draw it out.
0: Hey Steve. Hey Rob. Where can people find us? Well, they can find us at www.atbanter.com.
2: They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. <laughs> his, his image is frozen on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Just use your imagination, folks. We're dingling. They can also find us on the old social media. Well, most of us, not Steve anymore, because, well,
0: He's gone back into hiding. I'm I'm still on Instagram.
2: Uh, People can send me
0: pretty pictures.
2: (laughs) That's right. Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find us at. Um, That is going to about do us for yet another home edition. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see everybody in a couple weeks.
0: For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the One Take.